You're listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 3800 Marlton Pike. For more information, check out circleofhope.net. After his resurrection and his final appearance to the disciples, was on a mountain in Galilee. Jesus came to them and he said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the end of the age. You might know this as the Great Commission. This instruction or this command was given to the disciples and for all of us who would follow them. I want to talk today about Circle of Hope's unique plan for the Great Commission. We take it seriously that we've been given this mission by God uh, to participate in the work, and we've structured ourselves as this multiplying cell church in a way that to help facilitate that so that each of us can see and experience what it's like to participate in the ongoing work of God to redeem the world. Because you are necessary. Not just, not just to us, a circle of hope, but to God. We received this great commission personally. And we're convicted that every believer has a part to play in, the, in this family business of redeeming the world. It is a part of our ongoing, it's, it's a, it, um, the point of our ongoing existence, actually. We are all made for this work that Jesus has given us to do. But I wonder if um, sometimes we write ourselves out of that project for world redemption because we can get trapped in like old pre-resurrection thinking. We might forget that the Christian life after the resurrection is this invitation to a deeper freedom than existed before Christ came and battled death for us. What, what is before us now is this option that is new. It's a possibility of laying down ourselves as we've constructed them and being raised up to new life in Christ. Just like Marguerite and Jonathan and Lila were doing yesterday when they were baptized in the river, um, Jesus invites us into what he's doing to redeem the world, and he, and he gives us what we need to do it. Jesus told his disciples to wait in Jerusalem for the gift that the Father had promised, which he had heard them, they had heard him speak about. And the Holy Spirit came to them to guide them and lead them and empower them to do the work that he had given them to do. And that gift was not just for them alone. The promise of the Holy Spirit is for all of us who believe and turn to Christ too. So what happens next? The resurrection happened. And then the church started to grow. The disciples who were close friends and followers of Jesus became the sent ones, or the, the apostles, with a message to deliver. 
and that is us too. Uh, but you might not think that you're equipped for that or, or even feel like that day to day. Like maybe that feels like it's only for a certain kind of people, the extroverts or the evangelists, the pastors, or maybe just particularly gifted, dynamic people. You might think that you have too many other things to do to make your life work or to survive. Maybe you feel like you're too busy to make disciples for Jesus. You might just be trying to be a good person who prays and has some faith. Or you might feel like you're in crisis or like you, you've messed up and you're trying to just keep your head above water. But the Great Commission is for everyone now. We're all called into this continual work with Jesus who is alive and doing something through us. And being a part of this is not just for when we are fully developed and gifted and have it all together. God is giving us what we need right now to disciple someone. The resurrection of Jesus and the coming of the Holy Spirit means that we have a purpose that's greater than ourselves and our individual capacities. We're given this new life and new purpose to participate in making disciples and sharing the hope that we have. But if that feels too grandiose for you, um, I want to convince you that it's not. And the Apostle Peter is a good person to look at to be reminded that normal people can do this. Jesus called normal, limited people to be the means that he uses to transform the world and bring hope. Peter, Peter was impulsive and afraid. He trusted Jesus and then he doubted. He thought he understood and then he missed the point completely. He followed Jesus and then he just wanted to go back to fishing. He committed himself fully and then he denied Jesus three times. Peter was an unschooled, ordinary man who was as completely human as you and I, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, he talked about what he had seen and heard from Jesus, and he wasn't afraid to speak the truth. He became the rock on which the church was built, and many people came to know Jesus through him and his testimony. I think he's an unlikely, as unlikely a person for God to use as you or I. And I encourage you to read the Gospels and to remember who he was as he walked with Jesus. I'm not going to go through all of those stories now. But his transformation process was slow. He, he, it took years of being with Jesus in the flesh. And you can see his struggle and his humanity all throughout those stories. And after Jesus' death and resurrection, after he received this, this commission to go and make disciples, you can see the transformation that happened in him. He submitted himself fully to the Spirit of God at work in him, and God used him to do great things. And you can read more about that in the first chapters of Acts and on. 
But I want to tell you two stories this morning about ordinary people who were transformed and who God is using to make disciples. It's kind of like our own book of Acts being written as we submit ourselves to the Spirit of God at work among us. My friend Molly Ray uh, gave me permission to share her story with you. And some of you might have heard some of this because when she made a covenant with Circle of Hope last year, she, had, she said that she had turned her back on the church and on Jesus. After terrible experiences in her childhood, she had said she was never going back to church. It was not for her. But then a few years ago, her father died <coughs> unexpectedly. And it was, it was devastating to her. And in the midst of her deep grief, one of my cell members, Brandy, invited her to a Sunday meeting and then to cell. And I'm not sure that Molly thought that Jesus or the church had anything to offer her. But she came because she was hurting and Brandy's invitation meant something to her and her kindness. She came because in the midst of this loss, she did know that she needed something. And after that first week at cell, she kept coming back. Eventually, she trusted us and told us her story and even shared her grief with us. And we shared our hope with her. So on folding chairs in Leslie's basement, circled up with this group of ordinary people, um, Molly found that Jesus was alive through her, through us. And she came alive with this new faith that was literally transforming her. And she told me later, she said, there are a lot of places you can go when you're in that kind of deep sorrow. But I'm so grateful I didn't go there. She said, even though I miss my dad every day, new life came out of that. And after saying yes to Jesus, she said yes to us, and she made a covenant last year. And then, and then five months ago when my cell was ready to multiply, I asked her if she would lead the next one because my apprentice wasn't available at the time. Molly was already sharing what she had. The, the Holy Spirit was already working in her. But she was really nervous that what she had wasn't enough. And yet she, she had just been telling me how unsatisfying her job was and how she longed to do something meaningful, something that like used all of herself. So she put aside her fears, and she said yes again, trusting that God would keep providing for her through us and for her. She said yes to being a part of this bigger mission with Jesus, through her covenant with us, and then next through stepping, in, stepping up as being a cell leader. I think following Jesus is this invitation to become your whole self, your truest self in Christ's mission. As C.S. Lewis writes about this invitation, and he was quoted in the Daily Prayer entry this morning, if you saw that. And here's how he frames it. He says, 
the more we get what we now call ourselves out of the way and let Jesus take over, the more truly ourselves we become. There's so much of him that millions and millions of little Christs, all different, will still be too few to express him fully. <coughs> he made them all. He invented, like an author invents a character in a novel, all the different people that you and I are intended to be. In that sense, our real selves are, are all waiting for us in him. It's no good trying to be myself without him. The more I resist him and try to live on my own, the more I become dominated by my own heredity and upbringing and surroundings and natural desires. In fact, what I call so proudly myself becomes merely a meeting place for trains of events which I never started and which I cannot stop. I'm not in my natural state nearly so much of a person as I like to believe. Most of what I call me can be very easily explained. It's when I turn to Christ, when I give myself up to his personality, that I first begin to have a real personality of my own. That's from C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity. Molly had already been getting free from these trains of fear and hurt and skepticism that were not her, but reactions to her surroundings and her upbringing. And she was becoming more of who God created her to be every day, and still is, and I'm amazed to watch it happen. And as a result of that process in her, I want to tell you another story about my friend Anita. But I'm going to back up for a little bit first. She was my son's preschool teacher six years ago. So I got to know her at drop-off and pick-up. And one day I offered her a ride since the bus schedule was off and she needed to get home. And on that ride, I mustered the courage to invite her to sell, even though I was sure she would say no. I knew she was a single mom with two boys, working full-time, getting around on public transportation, and I just assumed she had no room in her life to be a part of the church, specifically every week on a weeknight. And I was proven wrong immediately when she said yes quickly. So I start with that because I want to emphasize that we can never assume anything except that God is relating to everyone. And when we play our part in this mission with God, we aren't responsible for the outcome. And we definitely can't be bound to our assumptions about of what anyone is going to do or say, because God is always doing more than we know. So she said yes, and she's been a part of a cell for years. And she's been through a lot of ups and downs. And the crises that she has faced have at times derailed her from participation in the church, from connection, even from her own faith in some ways. But she keeps coming back to this recognition that she is part of God's mission with us. 
even when she feels like she doesn't have her stuff together and her life is in crisis. She gave me permission to share this because it, it played out just this week in her cell that meets in her apartment. A cell member who hasn't been around for a while showed up and admitted that he was struggling with his addiction and was about to undergo this major medical procedure and then go into rehab. And Anita encouraged him by pointing to this painting that she has on her uh, mantle of a boat in the middle of a storm. She told them that Mary, who had been, she'd been in cell with uh, a few years ago, had given her this painting when Anita and the boys were homeless and they were hopping around from place to place. On the back of the painting, Mary had written one of our proverbs that says, following the spirit is risky business. Calm seas do not make good sailors. That encouraged Anita so much through one of the hardest times of her life. And she offered that encouragement to her cellmate when he needed it the most. Anita is a normal human being with limitations and struggles like the rest of us. But she is her best self when she remembers <coughs> that she has a part to play in God's mission of redeeming the world and delivering the hope of Jesus personally, face to face. We, we all need to stay together on this common mission <coughs> and to keep reminding each other that your unique self your, your truest you, not the self that's reactive or dominated by the narrative of the world or by your hurt, but, but your truest self is essential to the mission of making disciples and sharing the good news of Jesus with everyone. In fact, you may be uniquely positioned to share something with the person next to you that they might not get to hear from me or from anyone else in the same way. You have something to offer that you don't even know yet is a gift from God that might bring hope and faith to someone else. The way that you will do it is as distinct as you are. And together we can reveal more fully the fullness of Christ. That cannot be done by one person. One last thought. Bible commentator Craig Keener says that if many Christians today have lost a sense of Jesus' presence and purpose among them, it may be because they've lost sight of their mission that their Lord has given them. Let's not lose sight of our mission to make disciples, even when we don't feel equipped to do it, even when we're afraid of rejection or being misunderstood. The doing actually refines us and frees us from our own fears and unhinges us from our expectations and even our self-fulfilling prophecies. God can use your little bit. The resurrection has happened. So let's train our hearts for resurrection and keep living into this mission that God has given us and see what God will do. Can you pray for us?
Thank you, God, that we are not bound to our interpretation of things or our own limitations. You, you are continually calling us into our truest selves to be on a mission with you that frees us and brings us joy and hope that you want the whole world to receive. Keep working that out in us, Lord. Help us to help each other keep working it out so that we don't just um, hold on to the good for ourselves, but we keep sharing it and, and watching for the miracle of resurrection to happen. In Jesus' name. There's time to talk back if you have a thought to share or a story to add. I would love to hear it. This um, reminds me of something that um, I was really encouraged by when I was a cell leader. And I don't remember who kind of uh, gave me these words, but... Um, I, I had a lot of fear that like I wasn't good enough to be a cell leader, like to, to lead people or find new people. Like why would people want to come to my cell? You know, do they like me enough kind of thing? And um, <clears throat> someone at some point was talking about how it's like, it's actually like not me that they're coming to see. Like I'm kind of like opening myself up to being like a, a vessel for God's work and like just trusting that my presence is kind of like helping God to work through me and um, yeah I, I this reminds me of that it's like such a valuable thing to be reminded of yeah and it's not limited to if you lead a cell yeah it's like your presence here in this meeting matters because it makes the meeting happen and, and you might be the best part of it for someone here you know it's good thanks Sarah anybody else I, I've learned a lot about um, uh, rejection and how that that um, I've learned a lot about that experience of like inviting someone and having them say no um, is still a valuable experience and, and not a, it's not, it's not truly rejection is what I'm trying to say because um, putting yourself out there to invite someone to something that you care about and um, something that you're hoping to give them a glimpse of a little something good, they remember even, even if they say no that first time or even if they say no forever um, they know a little bit more about who you are and often I find that that stuff comes up later you know um, they know something you're associated with they know you're now associate they know you're associated with Jesus they know you're associated with goodness and love and like um, and that comes up later um, I've met people sometimes who um, have had an association with somebody else at Circle of Folk. And then when we 
encounter each other or uh, Ben's told me a story about how he met somebody that knew me from the past and like it's almost like they know, knew that we were somehow associated together because we're talking about the same things and bringing about the same good things and I think enough of that like touches of, of hope together eventually create like um, uh, an invitation that lasts so I, I don't know I've learned a lot about that even like this idea that when someone says no, it, you kind of it deeply hurts or like feels like you're being rejected. Um, but I think even just the process of putting it out there does something to um, to help people feel included and loved and special, even if um, it doesn't come to fruition then or even later. But there's something about getting little glimmers of hope and invitations and love um, that means something to someone regardless. Um, I hope that made sense. It was yeah. a thought out before I said it. <laughs> Maybe there's more that you're thinking about that you can talk about this week in your cell. If you're not already connected to one, um, they're all open to you. So good opportunity to keep the dialogue going. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.